0: My name is Will and you're listening to Exploding Helicopter, the only podcast in the world dedicated to analysing and celebrating helicopter explosions in film. For too long, this cinematic art form has not got the attention it deserves, so we're aiming to change that. And on each show, we take a look at a different film with the aim of recognising the ingenious and imaginative ways helicopters are blown up in movies. Now, in the 1980s, video store shelves groaned under the weight of films with the word Ninja in the title. It seems the public just couldn't get enough of pyjama-clad warriors engaged in life-and-death battles of hand-to-hand combat. Mostly these were Asian imports, but then those geniuses of action exploitation at the Cannon Group decided to give the black-clad stealth assassin formula a Stars and Stripes makeover. The end result is the subject of this show, 1985's American Ninja. To help me look at the film, I'm joined by a man who always sweeps the leg. Pain does not exist in his dojo, and I'm about to give him a body bag. Welcome to the show, Dara.
1: Hello, internet.
0: All of the internet, hopefully.
1: All of the internet. are on our every word, every week.
0: So, uh, Dara, thanks again for uh, coming back on the show. Always a pleasure to have you on.
1: Pleasure's mine, of course.
0: So, this is the part where I usually ask uh, if you've uh, seen anything interesting uh, lately. Have you?
1: Well, yes, I suppose I could say interesting. It would be remiss of me not to have seen Mad Max at the cinema, Mad Max Fury Road. It's been getting a lot of press, a lot of attention. Some very, very good reviews. I think Rotten Tomatoes is into the 90s, which is, I guess, unusual for like an at balls out action film. I know you've seen it well. My eyes were nearly popping out of my head and I watched it in 2D rather than 3D. It's just an assault on the senses really from the beginning to the end. I thought it was good it wasn't as good as the reviews suggested um i just thought it was just too much i think they could have dialed it down a little bit i think the thing i enjoyed most about mad max was the some of the special effects some of the the vistas some of the sort of lighting and the the mood was amazing like the bit i don't know if the bits in the desert where there was a huge thunderstorm and tornadoes taking up the people it, that left you with your mouth uh open but I enjoyed it and there were some good ideas. It wasn't as good as I, I was expecting.
0: Well I'd kind of agree with you because I feel that um I think I think it's a great film, I think it's a very good film, but I don't think it um, quite justify some of the uh, very excited reviews that it's been getting. People even you know sort of talking about it being a, a being an Oscar winner, which I just think is um, nah. slightly slightly ridiculous. Um, the, yeah. You know, um, I think it looks fantastic. I think the action is is really really good as well. But I would agree with you that there is too much Um, the too much of it uh, from my perspective is actually the length of the film I think at two hours it simply becomes a bit wearying by the end of the film especially considering there isn't a whole lot of plot in this in this movie Um, I think that if you'd ended the film when the convoy had kind of gone through that valley once it would have felt like the natural end of the film it then just feels like more of the same and overkill when you know they all come trucking back through again and you just get more exactly. more of you've the got, same you
1: got, got like a half an hour scene where they're just going from one car to another car to another car my girlfriend's saying why are they jumping over so many cars and, <laughs> to be honest i didn't have an answer for her
0: yeah um so i mean i think it's the best mad max film that George Miller has made. I certainly think that it deserves a lot of praise. I just don't think it is quite as good as what the internet would currently have you believe.
1: But yeah, uh, I I go with that. We 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 can agree on this because we're not going to agree about the next film.
0: You don't need to make (laughs) me sad just yet, Dara. You don't need to do that just yet. Well, you're kind of leading us onto it, so let's get stuck into uh, American Ninja. And here's that trailer man guy with a handy recap. For two thousand years. The sacred art of the ninja has been guarded in the east.
1: Remember the day I found you.
0: Now it has come to the West. Remember what is hidden deep in your mind. He is the only soldier. Date of birth unknown. The only American. Who is he? Who is capable of defeating? The Secret Black Star Army. So American Ninja came out in 1985. It was produced by the Canon Group, who were famous during the 80s for making low-budget action movies. Run by two larger-than-life characters, Menhem Golan and Yoram Globus, their unique approach to cinema seemed to rub off on their films, which were often sort of rather bizarre and crazy. And the, those kind of bizarre and craziness, were, the only reason it was there was simply to, just to uh, entertain the audience. Uh, the plot of American Ninja is typical of many Canon films from the time. It has a fairly loose grip on uh, logic and reality. So we have Michael Dudikoff who was something of a sort of uh, video store action star of that era, plays an army private with a mysterious past. After arriving at his new posting, Dudikoff quickly finds himself entangled with illegal arms dealers and his commanding officer's attractive young daughter. After Dudikoff is himself accused of stealing weapons from the army, he has to clear his name, stop the baddies and rescue his sweetheart who's been taken uh, as a hostage. Dara, I know this was a first time watch for you what did uh, you make of American Ninja
1: I'm taking one for the team by watching this film because really it was a, a bit of a waste of an hour and a half of mine I thought we do see some rubbish doing this uh, job uh, exploding helicopter HQ and I would put this in the rubbish category. I mean, the, the good, it was sometimes so bad it went all the way around from so bad it's good to bad again. I was laughing quite a lot at just the ridiculousness of some of the lines, the shoehorning of some of the plot themes. Acting wise, well, I think we're going to talk about Michael Dudikoff in, in a bit more detail later. Um, let's just say he's not Laurence Olivier. Um, <laughs> I just thought this film was a kind of a, pa- a pastiche of 80s films, like all the cliches kind of rolled into one and not done very well.
0: That does make me rather sort of sad to, sad to hear because I actually think that this film, you know, the fact that it is very typical of 80s films I think is part of the appeal for me because it's got sort of like every possible sort of cliche um, in there and if anything it's the overkill of the film which I think is you know what makes it for me uh, a really good film the fact that you've got loads of explosions you've got more ninjas than you can shake a bock and stick at. You know, you've got a bit of romantic sort of love interest in there. You've got sort of ridiculous scenes of male bonding. It's just it's just all there for you and, you know, it it rattles along at a good clip. You know, it never goes too long without a bit of action of uh, some description sort of happening. So, you know, I found, you know, it a sort of really uh I find it a really entertaining watch. So, yeah, saddens me a bit that you weren't uh, swayed by its charms.
1: Uh, to be honest, when the first few scenes come through, I kind of felt it was like a cheap version of uh, The A-Team, like an episode of The A-Team sort of tagged out to an hour and a half. I mean, when I talk about cheap, you've got Steve James, basically yeah. as a cheap version of Carl Weathers. You've got Dudikoff, because they were too cheap to get Dolph Longgren. Towards the end, I think James has a fight with a sort of bulky Chinese martial artist. Obviously, they couldn't afford uh, Bolo Young, so they got him instead. <laughs> Uh, they've got the the kind of uh accented bad guy too cheap to get antonio Monterban, so they got some no mark actor to play him as a french arms dealer um it was just sort of cheapness all the way through apart from the exploding helicopter which we'll talk about later which i thought was actually quite nice he spent a bit of money on that but the rest of it just just look was all just so poor so 80s. it's just two eighties it's just two eighties for me
0: yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to fight a valiant rearguard here. I think to uh, to try and change uh, change your sort of mind on it. I mean, you know, the film. You know, very early in the film, we've got a kind of big sort of battle where a convoy, an army convoy, sort of carrying some weapons, is uh, some bad guys uh, uh, alongside some some conventional bad guys, alongside a kind of uh, little quotient of ninjas try to sort of hijack this uh, sort of convoy. And you know, you've got a great little action scene there you've got some hand-to-hand combat you've got some machine gunning you've got michael dudikoff who um improvises um using kind of like a, a truck repair kit improvises some like throwing weapons out of this kit kind of uh kills somebody by sort of throwing like a like a screwdriver um at them, got him rolling around on top of the lorry, you know you've got a whole heap of action there you've got him catching um you've got him like block he's got such amazing ninja skills himself that he can kind of like block and catch um arrows yeah, himself
1: I, di- I didn't really kind of the, the ninja skills I didn't really buy them. he's quite a bulky actor yeah he's you, you can see he's doing the martial arts, but it's kind of you know I've seen about 20 other martial artists in you know genuine asian uh martial arts films you know they would wipe the floor with him he's just quite slow you know to be fair to him i've got to give him some credit he, most of the stunts i could see he was doing jumping off bits he's you know he's an action man but I, as for like ultra ninja skill i didn't didn't buy it and so let's talk about ninjas what the earth, why was there an army of ninjas in the philippines <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what, you know, what, what was the point? And why would you, if you were a ninja, why would you be wearing black in a jungle? Very, it's not very camouflaging, is it? It is, as you said at the, in the intro, just a way of shoehorning some ninjas into a film to make 15 year old boys watch it and get it from the video shop. That's the only reason
0: let's sort of talk about the ninjas uh, in this film so like the title uh, I think we should probably talk about Michael Dudikoff first the American ninja so like the uh, like the title says he's the hero of this film uh, playing the American ninja and he's got a pretty crazy backstory where in a couple of bizarre scenes we learn that Dudikoff was found as a sort of teenager living on a remote island where he's been raised by a Japanese soldier who was unaware that World War II had ended um, <laughs> now, <laughs> now unfortunately for everyone including the viewer Dudikoff can't explain anything about this mysterious biography or how he came to be an expert in ninjutsu because he's suffering from amnesia I mean, I mean Dara surely if nothing else did this subplot not like you know kind of you know attract you to this film just in its craziness.
1: Let's not think about a reason why he's in the jungle. Let's just say he had amnesia, and that way we don't have to explain ourselves. Perfect story. <laughs> why, why would a Caucasian child be in the Philippine jungle for starters? Why? What was he doing? How? How does that happen? It's just so fantastical. It, you know, actually, to be honest, I, I should know better, really, and I should have suspended my disbelief before watching this film. I don't expect any realism whatsoever. I suppose if you just enjoy it. For nin- that, for what the really basic base level is there's, there's about as much subtlety in this film as, I don't know, a sledgehammer is awful. Well,
0: we've already sort of touched on this already. Are there? And there's certainly no shortage of ninjas in this film because the main villain lives on a massive estate guarded by his private army of ninja warriors, including the fearsome Black Star Ninja. already you've already said that uh, that didn't make a lot of uh, sense to you. Is that your kind of final word on the subject?
1: I have to say it is really. I mean, for, with the best will in the world, I want to, I want to try and suspend my disbelief and just imagine there would be, it's not even in Japan, it's like miles away in the Philippines. How is this guy, why are they there? Are they, you know, how much money would it take to run, well, how much money would it take to run a private ninja enterprise in, in, in the Philippines? I, I don't know. I, I just can't see the logic you get some local army trained people to do the same job. And with the best will in the world, guns are a bit more effective than ninjas because otherwise, why wouldn't all armies be ninjas instead of soldiers with guns? So yeah, I don't, I don't buy it for one second.
0: Well, for me, I think you're getting kind of bogged down in the practicalities of this film because for me, this is what the charm of this film is, is that lots of things happen for absolutely no logical reason and they only happen really to entertain you so this villain living in this kind of you know massive private estate he could just have the black star ninja as his kind of personal bodyguard this kind of like elite highly trained warrior but no the filmmakers think you know you know what would make this even better is if he lives on this estate with a massive private army of ninja warriors who all just spend all day every day as we see in the film just kind of running around their ninja assault course you know training honing their skills and you know training themselves in their abilities so you know that that is that's the charm of this film like so much happens you know in this film that doesn't make any sense but it's just like it's just entertaining so why have a scene with michael dudikoff kind of fighting steve james with a bucket over his head for part of that scene it just happens because it's entertaining. And I was entertained to watch that. Why have Michael Dudikoff, you know, kind of like use a truck repair kit as a kind of bunch of improvised weapons? It's entertaining. That's the kind of the genius of this film for me.
1: Yeah, um, some say would say genius. Some would say waste of 90 minutes. It's it's semantics, isn't it, really? Um, I just didn't buy it. I mean, they're kind of, it's almost like they've t- taken, the, the, the writers have thought about kind of action films in the past and sort of taken what they thought were the best bits, like the training scene, they've sort of taken that into the dragon the kind of karate Kid rip-off, you know it was just after the karate Kid was made sort of a sensei teaching skills to an American you know Asian martial arts a bit of kickboxer thrown in you got a bit of the uh, Rambo element to it with the army they've sort of taken elements from different films that have been successful and kind of squashed them all together you know, sprinkled a couple ninjas on top of them and and sort of tried to price it off as a film i I need I need more, Will. I need more for my movies.
0: <laughs> but you've just perfectly encapsulated why, for me, this is a great film, because it's, <laughs> it's taken all the bits from those films that you've just listed off, sprinkled, as you said, ninjas over the top, and, and served it up to the audience. And, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that end result.
1: We get the films we deserve, Will. That's all I've got to say.
0: The action in this film, I know you didn't think a great deal of the, the ninja martial arts in this film, and I probably have to agree with you, the martial arts in this film aren't the highest quality in this, but there is some more sort of conventional sort of action in this film. There's a big gun battle at the, uh, at the end of the film where the kind of the army assault this, uh, this private estate and i don't know how you enjoyed that scene because um, i was actually quite sort of uh, surprised by the sort of the amount of quite gratuitous machine gunning that was going on during that sequence
1: i think that you liked it i know why you liked it because it's got it's that 80s staple that you've you've sadly left cinema of people riddled by gunfire shaking their bodies like they're electrocuted <laughs> and then falling over things that, we don't see enough of that these days and there was there was a thing about a 10 minute scene where the army the, the u.s army infiltrate the base and there was a whole bunch of hired goons who couldn't shoot a barn door from about five <laughs> meters and they were just getting plastered by uh the guys uh from the u.s and uh yeah uh, is it, that was i actually quite enjoyed that that scene there is a lot of gratuitous killing in it and um it's quite entertaining and uh, it leads us up to the, uh, the very tasty explosion at the end, which I enjoyed.
0: Uh, you must have enjoyed, like I did, the sight of uh, Steve James in his uh, in his vest, his big arm muscles gleaming with sweat, firing his machine gun whilst on top of a, of a jeep. You've got to tell me. If you enjoyed nothing else in the film you must have enjoyed the sight of that.
1: I, I did enjoy that. It did it did sort of take me back to my uh, my crush on Carl Weathers uh, in, in in his crop top running along the beach and hugging uh Sylvester Stallone. Is that it had that kind of vibe about it or 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 Carl Weathers in, in Predator in the jungle. Yeah, it had that kind of um dirty latent homosexuality which I enjoy from my from uh, my films. Now,
0: Michael Dudikoff was a bit of a name in the uh, VHS action era. I don't think he was someone that uh, you were familiar with before watching this.
1: I've never, never seen him before.
0: Well, he, he was kind of a bit of a sort of staple actor in the kind of canon group, made kind of like a bunch of sort of action movies. You'll probably be um, slightly disappointed uh, or depressed to know that the uh, American Ninja franchise continued for some time after this film. Uh, I,
1: look, I looked it, it up yeah but is it five <laughs> films they did in the end
0: they made five in the end although this question marks whether the fifth film it should really be considered part of the of the franchise because um michael dudikoff isn't in that one and um, there is another actor who does appear in the franchise in that film but his character has a completely different name to the character that he played in the uh in his earlier American Ninja film, and that's because the film was actually shot as a completely different film, but the uh, producers got kind of a bit nervous at the last minute and renamed it as a, an American Ninja film. So it's not really a true sequel because it really actually has nothing to do with... It has the,
1: nothing to do with... it And no actors and nothing to do... Okay. Well, it has
0: one of the one of the actors, but, you know, the, the, he's not playing the same character, so it's got, you know, apart from him, it's got no real link to uh, to the previous four films. But... Yeah, Dudikoff, bit of a name in this kind of era of, of films. Um, did did a whole bunch of sort of titles like *Avenging Force* and *The Human Shield*. This was your sort of first experience in. You know, what did uh, he's got a bit of a cult fil- following. What did you make of um, him, Dara?
1: I think it's describing as brooding would be a very generous description. He's about as charismatic as a, a moldy peach, basically. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like, it's almost like, you know, trying to paint on water, whatever the, 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 the writers would give him. Nothing kind of would stick to him. I just thought he had a face. You know Mike Myers in Halloween, where he wears that mask? He just has that kind of face, like he's wearing a mask. Nothing really, there's no humour there, there's no emotion, at all, any line, whether funny or sad, is kind of all delivered in the same way. He isn't an actor. I don't know, he's obviously a good looking chap, you know, muscly can do can do the scenes but he's not he's just not an actor and judging by his uh career pre and post this film uh that's kind of evident in in his uh in the sort of film that he's been given i.e. nothing of note he was quite really quite poor and just for that kind of film may have got away with it if you had a real sort of charismatic lead But like, he just had zero charisma it was just just awful
0: well, oh, you're saddening me again, Dara. You really are. You really <laughs> I put, do You really are putting me on a downer on this. I tell, you, I tell uh, it like
1: uh, how it is, mate. Sorry.
0: Um, I mean, I I would um, agree with you to some extent. I don't think that this is um, Dudikov's kind of finest work. This was his kind of sort of first big break, and uh, you've dis- you've dismissed the rest of his career, but uh, you know there are quite a lot of uh, Dudikov uh, fans um, out there and i think it is fair to say that he did in subsequent films kind of warm up a bit he is quite inexpressive in this film i mean for the beginning of the film he doesn't actually have hardly any dialogue at all doesn't say anything right. and i think i think that works quite well kind of gives him this uh, mysterious quality. Um, it might also just be the fact that um, the director had really had clocked to the fact that he <laughs>
1: clocked on, <laughs> yeah, on. If you can't act, best best you don't say anything at all. How about for the next five scenes, don't say anything, and it'll give him an in, uh, a, a mystery. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think that's that's how they come to the fact that he didn't he could didn't do any lines because he anything he says and he's got a really weird high pitched voice for a a big high chunky man. do do you think? I don't. Oh, his his I voice is really. Yeah, I thought it was really weird, like kind of, kind of wee wee weedy wee, little whiny voice when he talks. I he's mean, not very masculine. He's not like he's not Pee-wee Herman. He's almost he's the <laughs> Pee-wee Herman of action films. That's what he
0: is. I can't sign up for that. I can't sign oh, up for dear. that.
1: He's just that's got a like... he's just got a normal voice. He's not. He's not. Well, he's 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 a he's a wrong-un. Have you listened to yourself recently, Dara? <laughs> I'm not going to listen to this back because I, I've got a deeper voice than him and I'm not, I'm no action movie star. Well, some may say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think it's time to uh, talk about the exploding helicopter action in this. That happens like in many films during the film's finale where the villain who is still holding uh, Judy Aronson, who's playing Patricia, this, this kind of Dudikov's love interest, still holding her hostage. Uh the villain tries to make a sort of getaway with her in a helicopter. Before the chopper fireball occurs, there's actually some sort of cool helicopter action as Dudikov kind of jumps on board the the Whirlybird as it's taking off and there's a fight scene between the villain and Dudikov on the outside of the helicopter and you can kind of see uh you can see uh Michael kind of uh defeat the baddie and then grab Aronson from inside and the pair then leap to safety on a sort of very convenient roof of a building that's nearby. Meanwhile, uh, Steve James, back on the ground, has grabbed hold of a rocket launcher, which he fires at the helicopter, which explodes like a kerosene-soaked tinderbox. Dara, what did you make of the exploding helicopter action here?
1: I liked it. I think it's probably the best thing in the film, if I'm honest. Because uh, you see the helicopter on the landing pad, it kind of sit, sitting there waiting. You know something's going to happen. You know it's going to blow up. But it gives you that sense of anticipation, because it's, it's, there. You know, as you say, he flies in, Earlier on, they have this big protracted battle scene between the uh, the army and the ninjas. And well, you know, the, you know,
0: you know, it's going to obviously explode because as the helicopter comes into view, the villain says everything is working perfectly whilst looking <laughs> a little, <laughs> whilst looking a little bit too much at the helicopter, and you just know that's yeah. the kiss of death for it.
1: I wonder what's going to happen to this helicopter (laughs) so yeah i I like uh i like the build up to it i like the actual explosion itself is lovely it looks like a you know this is pre-cgi so it's really it looks very realistic they haven't blown up a helicopter they've blown up something that looks very much like a helicopter they've done a good job basically i like the the fact when the the missile you see it snake its way up to the helicopter it's all done very nicely i have to say as I've seen a lot of Exploding helicopters, and I do, I do like this one. It's, yeah, a little bit convenient how they all manage just to, it just kind of hovers above a, a building conveniently so they can jump off and then it's time to, time to blow it up. The best bit is, it's kind of as it should be and all, all, all Exploding helicopters really should be very, at the very end of every single film as the highlight and then literally there's nothing, it just ends. He kind of stands there on the steps, <laughs> and, the, and the credits go, and that's the end. I've blown up my exploding helicopter. What else do you want from me? No exposition, finished. Did you say all, that's how all films should end? All films. Shakespeare, everything. Just stick it, right at the end, blows up, lead actor, smiles at the camera, finished, credits, done. Who, who doesn't want that? Schindler's List? Schindler's List, yeah, if, if, yeah, that would be perfect. If Oscar Schindler, Actually, you know, if he if he died in a helicopter, that kind of that would undermine the plot somehow. Yeah, I'd need to rethink this. I need to rethink this. Kramer versus Kramer. Let's just say 95% of films <laughs> would be that better, and leave it there.
0: Well, I I agree with you. Um, I really like the I really like the fireball in this one. Nice practical kind of effects that are used. You know, always love it. I love to see a rocket launcher. Always love to see uh, helicopters destroyed with uh, rocket launchers. And, you know, as you say, there's a good build up to the sequence because we kind of get an early, um, as I sort of already mentioned, we get a kind of early whiff of danger with that villain's line that this helicopter isn't long for the earth. And I actually really enjoyed the stunt work that preceded the kind of the chopper fireball scene, because um, as you sort of said, it. You know, it's clear that sort of, Dudikov did do quite a few sort of stunts himself. And um, he does seem to actually be, for some of this scene, actually doing quite a bit of this stunt work himself. And if even if it isn't Dudikov, somebody is hanging off of that helicopter. And, you know, who knows how high it really is off the ground. But, you know, it's certainly more than 20 or 30 feet. So you've got to kind of admire, you know, I always like to yeah. see genuine stunt work like that.
1: Credit where credit's due. If it was the coverage probably might, I would imagine he didn't he didn't act throughout the film, so he might as well have done something. So the stunt the stunt bits that were done are, were good, and uh, yeah, helicopter was a nice uh, finale to an abysmal film.
0: Just had to get that final. Had to get it. In. Yeah. Had to get it in. Well. I think I can't I don't think I can take any more of this um depressing notes. So uh I think I'm going to wrap things up for today. Dara, thanks for coming back on the show. I say that through gritted teeth.
1: <laughs> Pleasure is always well anytime.
0: <laughs> if you like what you've heard then please check out the Exploding Helicopter website or you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, we're basically everywhere on the uh, internet. We'll be back soon. Until then, keep watching the skies for those exploding helicopters. <laughs>